Welcome to Let's Get to Work, a podcast with stories of hope and inspiration for people experiencing blindness and vision loss, as well as those wanting to support us. Brought to you by the Employment Committee of the American Council of the Blind, a place where we talk about all things employment, from finding jobs, holding jobs, building careers, and challenging stigmas. Each podcast will consist of interviews with two visually impaired people who have chosen to travel down unique career paths. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's get to work. Hi, this is Carrie Muth with ACB's Employment Committee, and I'm here today with Michael Alvarez, an interpreter. Hi, Michael or Miguel. Hello or hola. Hola. So um, I I thought it was really interesting when I spoke to you a few years ago uh, and kind of heard a little bit of your story and um, was interested in seeing. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm I'm 46 years old, almost 47 years old, and I've been for the last 18 18 years, actually. I've been working as an English-Spanish interpreter. at first, I worked in a call center environment. And then for the last 14 years, I've been working uh, from home uh, on the phone. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, I enjoy it very much because I do a lot of work for people who go to medical appointments or insurance companies or um, they are checking on, they, they have a legal um, attorney's offices and things like this. And they're trying to get some sort of assistance. And I do a lot of those, so. That sounds really interesting. So you do it over the phone or over Zoom? Uh, it's over the phone. Um, they, I could do it on Zoom. The problem is that I would have a harder time because they have, if they're using video and I can't see the video, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, 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 it's kind of a thing, you know, I, they, they could see me in my environment, but I can't see them. So it wouldn't really be <laughs> the best, best environment. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I think when I when I get on Zoom calls, sometimes people are like, oh, you can turn on your camera. It's like, why? I can't see you. <laughs> uh, well, I, I know. And that's how sometimes happens that I, I get into Zoom calls with people who aren't familiar with blindness or familiar with me. Mm-hmm. And they sometimes uh, say, well, what, where's your camera? I don't, I don't, I don't have a camera. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. So, um, so what got you interested in becoming an interpreter? Well, um, I'm bilingual, English and Spanish. I've been all my life because my father was born in Cuba and his parents were born in Spain. And I um, I think what got me really kind of interested is when I would watch TV and they would translate things that were in Spanish. And I would, in my mind, because I was learning Spanish too, I knew Spanish, and I would listen to that. And I sometimes would see mistakes that the interpreters made on the TV. Um and uh, I sort of thought initially the idea that initially I wanted to teach Spanish, actually, mm-hmm. because I tutored it when I was in college. I tutored it for students, which was a very fun, probably the best job I've ever had in my life in terms of being fun. Um, mm-hmm. But then um, I decided I didn't really have the stomach to teach. So I can to, to be an interpreter so then I can, can translate for people who really need assistance, really need help. You know? Yeah, that, that sounds interesting. So you mentioned your dad's from Cuba and his parents from Spain. Have you That's been right. to those countries? To Spain, I've been many times. I've never been to Cuba. Okay. Um, I, I want to. 
Mm-hmm. I've not been there. Yeah. So, so are um, things different in Spain with you going there as far as access and things, you know, being visually impaired here in the United States? We, we do get a lot of, you know, freedoms or availability of services. Well, in some respects, actually, in Spain, it's better than it is here. Um, they have a lot of socialistic government support. They mm-hmm. have, um, uh, you know, like basically, I mean, everybody there gets free medical care, and they get, you know, they get free. The Organization of the Blind actually has a corner on the national lottery in Spain, and they get a lot of money from that. Wow. Um, um, so in some respects, but I think where they are falling behind is in the civil rights issue. You know, the idea, because Spain for many years was a military dictatorship. And if you, anybody tried to rush for civil rights, they were liable to be arrested. And this, they're still not, they're, they're democratic now, but they're still not there when it comes to civil rights, I don't think. Um, especially when it comes to disability rights. Um, they, you know, they're... But, but I mean, I like Spain. I love it. You know, I've been there many times. I, I studied there for a while and I got, I got orientation mobility. I got Braille books you know, and, and materials, which was really nice um, in Spanish. But, you know, Spain, Spain is different. You know. I take it you grew up here in the United States. I was born in the United States. Okay. Born in California. Oh, Californian, yeah, huh? It's born there. Relocated uh, to beautiful Oregon. Uh, well, I, I went to Connecticut first and then to uh, Oregon after I was five years old. I lived, mm-hmm. I lived basically all since I was five years old, I lived here in Oregon. But, um, you know, I, it, was, it was hard because my, my, my mom knew Spanish, but her pronunciation was poor. And so she didn't know it quite as well as, as me and my brothers. Actually, I know it the best of all three of my brothers, I think. Because I'm, you know, really applied myself to it. Yeah. So, are are your brothers visually impaired also? No, blind also? They, no, they're not. Okay. So, so what caused your blindness? Um, undeveloped optic nerve, um, uh, an, an optic nerve anomaly that was came out at, at birth, but they, they didn't know it until I was a few months old. Okay. Yeah. So, so you've been totally blind. Totally blind. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, so were you mainstream going to school? I was, except for two years when I went to the School for the Blind in Vancouver, Washington. Went okay. for two years, two and a half years to the School for the Blind. Other than that, I was in the Tigard uh, public school system. Mm-hmm. And did you get extra services, that type of stuff there, I imagine? Oh, yeah. I got I got really good. I got orientation mobility. I had um, I teach a teacher of VI services, and I had, you know, different auxiliary stuff, like adaptive PE and some of those other stuff. I was the only blind student uh, in the district, that, as far as I know at that time. Um, wow. I was the second one graduate of my high school 29 years after the first. Wow. I, I, I can relate. I was the only blind high school student in the high school I attended. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they actually, I had some vision at the time, and I wasn't going to use a cane because, you know, I was obstinate, whatever. But uh they, they painted white lines on the tops and bottoms of the stairs outside so I didn't fall down them. So, oh, that's <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so you mentioned you, uh, in the bio you sent me that you went to Western Oregon University. Uh huh. Yeah. Can you talk about a little bit about 
your college experience? Well, I I started late because I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, and I kind of was insecure after high school and after I, I'd been in some in community college, and I was, still was not. So I didn't start till I was about 22 years old. I graduated when I was 28 years old. Um, and um, initially, as I said, I wanted to teach Spanish, but then I decided that I didn't have. So I have a minor, I have a, a double degree in Spanish and humanities with a minor in French language. I speak that as well, um, although not as well as my Spanish. You know. But uh, um, I like Western. I really liked it. I, um, you know, I liked it, even though it was a small college and, you know, way out of town. Um, but I did love that experience. And, and there have, have, have actually, they now have 10 blind students there this year. I was, I was told. Interesting. I mean, that's, I mean, that was, I was really surprised to hear that, but they really are doing some good work when it comes to access and, um, stuff. And, um, I give them money every year, which <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> That's awesome. I'll tell you, actually, I've been to Western Oregon University. My daughter attended a year there a few years ago, uh, about five years ago. She was there for a year. So it's it's a very nice, smaller size campus. Yes, it, I, I learned it. I mean, when I, when I was there, I learned it actually well enough that I would uh, sometimes, because it was in a small town, I would sometimes, if I had to carry my brailler to do an exam, I would not take my cane. So I <laughs> My, my hand so i because you know, i felt comfortable enough that i could do that in certain parts of the campus uh, i wouldn't dare do that in portland where i live now you know yeah i don't think i'd want to walk around portland without a cane or a dog yeah. <laughs> so so what types of accommodations did you get when you were attending college well in college i got um you know, they had for the exams. They had a, they had a brailler so I could do my essays for my exams. Um, but I actually preferred to use my brailler because mine was actually maintained. Theirs, theirs is the gears were all out of it, so, so I didn't <laughs> like to use theirs. Um, so I used mine, and I used. You know, they had, had certain the materials I had um, recorded uh, textbooks, but I also had a, had a reading machine much more primitive one than the one I have now. Mm -hmm. Then uh, <laughs> I was able to read uh, materials, including in Spanish and French, because I could, they could translate that. Although, again, it was much more primitive. I have one now that's a lot better. But anyway, um, I used the, they were pretty good about giving me the accommodations um, that I needed, I would say. But it's 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 a very difficult situation, especially when you're the only blind student in the school. To, you can advocate. I advocated. I advocated for you know the best that I could, but there was still a lot of, of access issues there. I think. Yeah, but it, but it sounds like they've come a long ways. So that that's you know sometimes we're the first one there, and we're helping pave the way for the future people. Yes. Yes. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, that, and that's real important. So. So you mentioned, you know, you have the things that translate, you know, that'll read the Spanish and the French. So yeah. when, when you read for pleasure, do you read in which language do you read books in? English or Spanish. Um, okay. And I have actually another thing which can kind of is in the realm of accommodations. I have a 
Braille, English, Spanish, Spanish, English dictionary, 27 volumes. Um, and it is the, what is, it's not, it's not the equivalent of the OD, but it is, it is a very high level dictionary, which is no longer produced in print. And I have it in Braille. Wow. Um, and um, it's from the University of Chicago. And it has um, English, Spanish, Spanish, English. I use the Spanish, English more because because usually I have to if I hear a Spanish word, I have to look up the, the English. Um, and I know, you know, I, as I use that a lot more, I do have a French one, too, but it, it's a lot smaller and it's it's only it's not it's not complete. Not like this one. Yeah. So so what do you do? Do you have um, friends you speak in Spanish to or your family to help keep you up? on you know i i know people try to you know stay up to date on things i'm sure the spanish language hasn't changed a lot but just to keep yourself updated well we um in terms of how i talk actually funny enough my dad doesn't like to speak spanish to us very much because he came to this country when he was 18 and lost his accent uh completely lost it and um he kind of feels, and, and because my mom, my mom's pronunciation is poor, she doesn't, so we don't speak it at all. Where I spoke it with was with his parents, with my grandparents. Mm-hmm. They, they were the ones that really introduced me and made me love Spanish because whenever they would sing their little nursery rhymes, they sang them in Spanish. You know? <laughs> That's they, awesome. That <laughs> um, um, we have. And, um, but my other two brothers, my older brother and younger, I'm the middle of the three, they, they speak Spanish quite well, but not as well as me, I don't think. I, <laughs> whenever they have to write a letter or something like this, I, I have to be the one who writes it because, because I can, can do that. Um, yeah. But in terms of um, one of the things about this job, which I would recommend to anybody, is don't, you can be bilingual. Many people are bilingual. But you have to be almost bicultural to do this mm-hmm. job well. Um, and what that means is, for example, that you're able to think, for example, if a person, if a doctor asks a person, how tall are you? They usually prefer to give their height in centimeters, not in feet, because oh. that's, what that's what they're more used to. Sure. So I am able to convert the centimeters to inches. And um, there was one time I remember that there was a person that was trying to find out what the temperature of their house should be. You know, they was calling the electric companies like this. And they said, we recommend that the per- if you're in the house, that it should be at 68 degrees. And then I translated, or if you prefer to think about it that way, at 20 degrees, because the 20 degrees is the Celsius temperature. Okay. So you have to, I, I believe be able to to or when they say when they say football they're not referring to football they're referring to soccer you know <laughs> you, you always always have to think about that and i think a lot of the people some of the people who work as, as interpreters you know they may be native speakers of spanish but they're not so involved in english that they that they know some of the nuances of language so i know mm-hmm. some of those nuances Again, I'm sure that's real helpful. And, you know, sometimes, too, some of the cultural aspects probably come out if you're, you know, helping people through doctor's appointments or these legal issues. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. 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 
So what does a typical day of work look like for you? Well, I don't work all day. I usually work about three hours a day. Um, okay. Because I, but, you know, all I do is I dial a telephone number to log in and I have a five-digit interpreter code. It's five digits. I enter that. And then I say, you know, you want to, they, it's, a, it's a voice. It says, you want, you are currently logged out. Would you like to log in? Yes. You recognize the phone number, the phone number you want to use for the calls. And then they say yes, because uh, you can't change that. Um, mm-hmm. And um, although they don't want you to use cell phones because cell phones drop calls. That's why I'm oh, one of the few that has a landline still because I, I can't, I can't use, they, told, they, they don't want us to use any cell phones for that. Yeah, that make that makes sense. So you call in. So are these scheduled things or do people just call in as they need an interpreter? How they does that call work? In, um, if they need an interpreter, I mean, these are when you dial almost any number nowadays, it says press one for English, press two for Spanish. You know, you dial, you dial almost any number, any public service, any bank, any whatever, you know, sure. And we oftentimes are the other end of that line of that bank. The person says, they want Spanish, um, they, they will get an English language agent who calls us, which I, you know, I think that that's, that's something that is really one of the neat parts of this is that you, you don't, we don't work for U.S. Bank. We don't work for um, uh, Disney Cruise Line reservations, mm-hmm. but we interpret for them. Interesting. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So then you get a wide variety of uh, experiences. Yeah. I mean, you never know what you'll get. You know, now lately, it's been a lot of things about COVID testing and mm-hmm. people wanting to arrange COVID tests or find out their, their results. And uh, that, has, that has actually been quite rewarding to me because, you know, you're, you're on the front lines of, of, the, of, of the war against COVID, you know. Yeah, that sounds that sounds pretty cool. So you don't have to track anything you do during your shift. You just call in and run right. through At your shift. At the beginning, when I started working for this company, they did require that you track. Uh, well, that you track the you know when you got the, the calls. But now, I mean, it's all computerized everything, so you don't have to. Uh, you know, you don't have to keep track anymore. No. Do you know other people with visual impairments that do interpreting work? Well, they're funny enough. When my was, I worked at the community college as a as a tutor. Well, it wasn't as it wasn't as an interpreter, but um, uh, but yeah, there are there are certainly people. Um, but when I was when I was a tutor, there was another blind man who was working in there with me, and that that was why it was so fun because at one time he told one of his people that he was was working with in front of me. He said, "Miguel is a little bit of better tutor than I am." <laughs> in front of me and I, I mean I was so I smiled when I heard that because I knew I mean I knew that he because he had never been to another country oh. and he didn't have uh, the opportunities that I had and I don't mm-hmm. think he spoke as well as I do, did then as well as I do so it was kind of a dual hung of personalities between it but it, it was fun it really was fun you know? yeah. so have you ever done anything with the French language uh no i i'm a little bit reluctant to because um for one thing if i would do that i would have to do a lot of quebecois people from from quebec and their accent is really hard to understand 
and you know it's it's kind of a um because the people that come from from france who move from france mostly speak english just like just like the people that move from spain mostly speak english you know the people that interpret for not from spain like my i mean whenever i can get a person who i'm interpreting for who's from spain i always am so happy because it's like, oh it's an accent that i can understand you know <laughs> but the, the 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 people from spain mostly you know are more educated you know they, they don't meet the mold of the hispanic person in the united states you know because they, they they're white like i am mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. they don't they don't uh they don't work in the fields they work in nike they work in all these companies you know and they they know english i mean the ones that live here generally mm-hmm. know english pretty well generally. yeah yeah that makes sense because i know a lot of other countries you know as as Kids are growing up, attending school. They end up taking English classes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's um, you know we are kind of unfortunate in the sense that that we have um, it, it's rare that a person studies. They, I mean, people are, like they study Spanish, but they don't really study it. They study it to pass the college entrance requirement. So yeah. They really, they don't really devote themselves to it very much, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, uh, you know, and, and and Spanish, of course. I mean, Spanish is the most popular foreign language, and it will always be because of our uh, the Hispanic people in this country. And yet, there are huge swaths of our population. You know, if like if you go to almost any other country in the world, the airline flight announcements are in their own language and English. We only do the flight announcements in English. That's you know, true. If you, yeah. you, go, you go to China, the announcements are in Chinese. If you go to Russia, it's in Russian and English, but not here. And what language would they put it in besides English here? In Spanish, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, it's kind of political. You know, there's, there's a big political thing that they don't want to acknowledge the fact that the Hispanics... If if they're not now, we'll soon be the largest ethnic minority, larger than the blacks in terms of percentage. Because mm-hmm. the, the the Spanish have a, have a lot of kids. That's true. So, so they they yeah. are. If if they're not now, they are, they will soon outnumber or out not outnumber, but they will be a higher percentage than the African Americans in this country. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. So with your uh, job, you said you work like three-hour shifts. Uh, yeah. Do you get to kind of set that, or is it is it variable, or is it certain no, time frame? I, I absolutely I can set it. You know, it's 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 if I want to work, you know, longer one day or less one day. I mean, they pay me for the calls I get. You know, and oh, okay. They they so I can do whatever I want, and they and they don't really they they oftentimes they send us emails and say. Coverage needed. Coverage, you know, and, and and some sometimes they call me at six in the morning. Sometimes I take the call. Sometimes not. So, Miguel, what type of advice might you give somebody that's thinking that they may be interested in becoming an interpreter? Well, you have to be bilingual first, and then um, you have to be patient. Be 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 willing to uh, recognize the. You have to be you have to be patient and you have to let them explain what is going on. Um, I, there's two types of interpreting. There's consecutive, which is like what they do on the um, you know in, like what I do, and then there is mm-hmm. 
simultaneous like what they do on the TV, where they, the interpreter is talking at the same time as they mm -hmm. are. And um, that's another skill. I'm not real good at it. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I've done it, but I'm not real good at it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, you know, be, 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 be bilingual and I say it, be bicultural. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds like that's the real important piece. I, I could imagine um, if you're doing the simultaneous interpretation, I think a sighted person may have a little advantage because I really do think sighted people half read lips. Yeah, well, we're and, working on the phone. So oh, that's true. Have, we don't have <laughs> yeah. that um, that issue. But but the um, the problem with simultaneous translation is that you oftentimes miss uh, stuff. And I can tell you a whole bunch of stories about that. I'm not going to tell the stories, but there's <laughs> there's a whole bunch of things that can happen in simultaneous translation that are not not good for the Spanish speaking person. I'd say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So have you, um, when you got your job, did you, did they know that you were blind? Yes. And, okay. So how did you handle that conversation? Uh, well, and my first job, the call center job, um, that was not a problem at all. I mean, none of them has really been a problem, really. Uh, because they, there is apparently, you know, in, in my call center, there was another company, another person in another call center who was blind. Uh, as well, um, but it was uh, you know I dealt with it. I mean, the only only thing was that I had some problems because I didn't write down, or, or I would write down the numbers, but they they couldn't read them because they're in braille. So everybody mm -hmm. shred information when it's done. And, uh, of course, I didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so they were very concerned in that company about breaking secrets. You know they. In fact, that's why I was dismissed. I wrote an article for the now defunct Dialogue magazine about my work, and mm -hmm. got the people they got a hold of it. I like, gave it to them, and the, their lawyer wrote a cease and desist our thing to me and to Dialogue magazine. It was a very strong order, and I, that was why I was dismissed from uh, Network Omni. Yeah, hmm. but it sounds like you found a really good fit being this doing this interpreter. Yeah, and I think you said you've been there fourteen years. 14 years. Great. That's awesome. Well, I want to thank you for your time today because I know we're about time's oh, up. Yeah. So thanks so much for your time. Uh, you're welcome. Or as you say, de nada. De nada. You've been listening to Let's Get to Work, a podcast from the Employment Committee at the American Council of the Blind. Have questions, episode ideas, or feedback? Feel free to email Brooke Jostet, the committee chair, at B-R-O-O-K-E underscore J-O-S-T-A-D at Comcast.net. Until next time, work it.